Welcome back to The Wise Man's Page, the daily podcast where we read Patrick Rothfuss's The Wise Man's Fear, page by page. This is page 574, chapter 87, The Lothani. The next day, Tempe and I went to Crossan for supplies. It meant a long day of walking, but not having to look for trail sign every step of the way made it feel like we were flying down the road. As we walked, Tempe and I traded words back and forth. I learned the word for dream and smell, and bone. I learned there were different words in Edomic for iron and sword iron. Then we had a long hour's worth of fruitless conversation as he tried to help me understand what it meant when he rubbed his fingers over his eyebrow. It almost seemed to be the same thing as a shrug, but he made it clear it wasn't the same. Was it indifference? Ambiguity? Is it the feeling you have when someone offers you a choice? I tried again. Someone offers you an apple or a plum. I held up both hands in front of myself, but you like both the same. I pressed my fingers together and smoothed them over my eyebrow twice. This feeling? Tempe shook his head. No. He stopped walking for a moment, then resumed. At his side, his left hand said, Dishonesty. What is plum? Attentive. Confused, I looked at him. What? What does plum mean? He gestured again, profoundly serious, attentive. I turned my attention to the trees and immediately heard it, movement in the undergrowth. The noise came from the south side of the road, the side we hadn't searched yet. The bandits. Excitement and fear swelled in my chest. Would they attack us? In my tatty cloak, I doubted I looked like much of a target, but I was carrying my loot in its dark, expensive case. Tempe had changed back to his tight mercenary reds for the trip into town. Would that discourage a man with a longbow? Or would it see him I was... The end of the page. I'm Jeremy. I'm Jordana. I'm Nick. Most of what I want to talk about is covered on the next page, so let's uh, hustle through this one, because to me the juice is tomorrow. I am 100% on on that same boat. (laughs) Well, I'm not. I do have at least one thing that I want to bring up on this page, which is that we are starting to get, we've established like what the hand talk is and how Rothfuss deploys it to show like characters emoting. But now we're starting to learn some of the details and the nuances. We are rotating the, the fractal diamond of this nugget of story and seeing how else it can be put to use. And this is, one other way in which the Edemic language allows for things that our language doesn't, which is that you can be appear to be carrying on a perfectly normal conversation with somebody who doesn't know what you're doing, and you can be communicating secret information to them with your hands, uh, which is exactly what Tempe is doing, right? He is he is signaling to Cloth, like, don't listen to what I'm saying. I heard a noise. Pay attention. I wonder if this is a clue to something of Adam culture or like how they had to be, how they had to behave and why they developed this way. Maybe this language came about because they had to be secretive about their meanings. Mm -hmm. We also, I feel like this is the first time that we have seen. uh, So when Rothfuss is signaling, is telling us that someone is making a, a hand gesture that means something, he puts it in italics and you, and up until now, I feel like we've only seen, like one word at a time. Uh, and I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, this is the first time we've seen uh, a sort of a, a compound word or a compound idea. 
Tempe gestures profoundly serious as opposed to just serious. Yeah, I wonder if Quoth is mistranslating dishonesty because that's not, I mean, sort of that's what Tempe is, is saying, but uh, like misdirection or like is a little bit different than dishonest. But I mean, it, 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 the meaning comes across. It's yeah. interesting to think about the, the nuance there. Yeah, because Tempe is signaling, I am being dishonest. Don't pay attention to what I'm saying, right? But I wonder if Tempe is using a word that he knows Quoth knows, right? Maybe maybe there is a more nuanced way to say this in Endemic, but Quoth's vocabulary of hand talk is not good enough. So Tempe's like, he'll understand, if I make it clear, he'll understand that dishonesty combined with these other ideas means don't pay attention to what I'm saying. That makes sense. What I really like about this page is that we figure it out at the same time as Quoth. Mm-hmm. There's no moment where Quoth goes, ah, I realized that Tempe was misdirecting me in order to, or was not saying what he meant in order to misdirect any viewers. Uh, we are also, like, Quoth doesn't need to tell us that. We understand enough about Quoth and their relationship and about who Tempe is and the hand talk to put this together at the same time. So we have the moment of, of realization and, and excitement in tandem with Quoth, which is a very cool feeling. Mm-hmm. I don't think uh, the the narrator never explains what's going on here. I mean, I think it's quite clear. I think we all understand that Tempe is is saying something that is not aligning with his feelings in order to direct Quoth's attention to the uh, surroundings and also not draw attention to the fact that he's clocked it. But that doesn't need to be said. And that's a really cool bit of work that Rothfuss has done by setting all of this up. So maybe when we're talking on previous pages about like, what's the purpose of this page? What's the purpose of this interaction? It's all stuff that needs to be in place for us as readers to understand moments like this. Hmm. I have uh, no disagreements. (laughs) Mm. This is in short, this is an example of a writer trusting their audience to be smart. And I feel like that is good here. Like, I feel like there is, but at this point, like you've already read the first book, you're more than halfway into the second. If he can't trust you at this point, what are you doing reading this book? (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I, you know, it's just often a sign of like lazy or, or um, sloppy storytelling when an, when a storyteller feels like they have to walk you through everything like explain everything that's just happened or that's about to happen. Um, Because a better story can communicate those ideas to you without having to have them contained in exposition. And I'm not one of those people who thinks that like you should never have exposition or that like anytime that characters like talk about stuff that that's somehow bad, but ideally you want to do as much as you can to communicate what's going on through the action and through the, the characters behaviors that you don't have to like sit the audience down and go now what's going on here is this. And Rothfuss does that very well. Agreed. We have a letter today. Mailbag. From a new, not a new listener, I suppose, but a new writer. This is from Jacob who writes first time caller. Greeting Winders, Fuhrers, and Stoners. Well, here I am. After a month-long sojourn through your many episodes, I have finally caught up with your podcast. And what a ride it has been. I first heard of your show through a Facebook group of another podcast where Name of the Wind was unexpectedly name-dropped, and the person who mentioned it pointed me to you guys. 
Thus, I looked you up on Spotify, and to my dismay, I found that it only went so far back as 20 pages into the book. Okay, I thought to myself, 20 pages isn't so bad. I can start here. Once I started, I realized you were 20 pages into the second book. That wouldn't do at all. That's when I found Page of the Wind's very own archives on SoundCloud. A true library of episodes, I thoroughly enjoyed scrolling all the way down to page one and working my way up. There were numerous intriguing and confusing episode titles. The one with the historical butt sex tangent. (laughs) Sorry. There were endless bits and laughs. There was even some thought-provoking conversation thrown into the mix. I'd like to take a moment to share my thoughts with each of you. I hope you don't mind. Nick, I value so much of what you bring to this show. Your organization, intellect, and diction are all noteworthy. Your countless contradictory crackpotted contrivances have had me both nodding sagely in agreement and yelling furiously at my phone in equal measure. While I often disagree with your takes, you always make me think critically and I deeply appreciate your perspective. I do hope one day you'll be able to extend the same benefit of the doubt to Quoth that you seem to offer to every other character in this series. Never stop experimenting with the voices you give the characters while reading. They are exceptional. Save Southern Devi. Southern Devi was the worst. Jordana, I honestly can't imagine Page of the Wind without you. Thank you so much for bringing a modicum of sanity to this podcast. (laughs) Your peacemaking ability is a virtue I wish poor people possessed. I love your unique insight and willingness to do something you were initially so uncomfortable with for your friends. Your bravery is admirable, but please never be so brave as to chug a pint of cod liver oil. It's not worth it. Jeremy, whenever I need a good laugh, I can count on you. Your humor, historical knowledge, and dogmatic anti-deep reading stance are all invaluable to the show. I find myself relating to your views more often than not. You express yourself in an incredibly articulate manner, and I wonder if you could plug any of your own writing on the show. I know I'm not the only listener who would be interested. You are right. Nick is wrong. Lastly, a few notes on the show itself. I love the expression Tekum's razor. I do worry that it's an idea originating from Gregan the Lesser and incorrectly attributed to Tekum. Mr. Mailbag is vile, repulsive, and profoundly disturbing. I love him. Since listening to that one episode, I have not been able to think of a single time where I could justify saying utilized instead of saying used. I hate you all for this. I've read the books twice and was quite upset when I heard you all use the term plum bob. I knew you were wrong because I always read it as plum bomb, which is undeniably cooler. Unfortunately, someone went back and changed my book, so it now says plum bob, so I have no evidence. The Star Wars takes are dead on. I cringed when I heard you talk about how much you were looking forward to The Rise of Skywalker. I wanted to scream, it's a trap, but I knew it was already too late. And of course, hashtag Team Dead Son. Thank you once again for the show, and I hope you are all doing well. Signed, your conservative capitalist friend from the South, Jacob. Oh, wow. (laughs) There were so many things in that letter. I love it so much. That was very thoughtful and very sweet. Uh, And of course, I'm inclined to see that because you said that you mostly agree with me. Uh, But no, that's wonderful. Have you considered uh, that your memories are not faulty, but that you actually come from the Berenstain Bears universe? What's that TikTok trend? It's like there's like TikTok trend of people who like claim that they they like they slipped from, or something. Yeah, they're from, from another an dimension. And, yeah, and they have like slipped into this one. I um, think that's that's probably what what you've done, Jacob. So I think what's really, really happened TikTok. here is that his plum bomb is my Tamberlin. Hmm. Nah, I don't <laughs> know about that. Likely. I don't know about that. <laughs> uh, you know, we've been doing this show for too long because there's an episode title that sounds extremely memorable. But I have no memory of yes, that. Yes, indeed. I don't know what we were talking about with <laughs> historical butt sex, but I'm sure it was hilarious. It, yeah, that very funny. <laughs> Sounds very funny. Mm. I also applaud your 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 dedication and grit 
because I I think it's an ongoing problem for us that our back catalog is hard to find uh, because of the way that uh, the podcatchers work. Like it's kind of out of our control. So the only way to like start our show from episode one is to go to SoundCloud, which is not the most convenient way to listen to a podcast. So I salute you, sir. Yes, I am perpetually tinkering with the website. Um, it will probably never be done in that I will never find the time to actually finish it. What I'd like to do is have like a, a few frequently, like a few episodes to jump to from the website. But uh, as we mentioned on Twitter, we do have a conventional or rather a consistent naming convention. So you can go to soundcloud.com slash page of the wind slash page dash page number or WMF dash page dash page number to jump to any episode, any page. So if you go, Dash, uh, slash page dash one, you will end, come to the first episode and, and so on and so forth. So there are ways to circumvent it, but uh, I agree it's not user-friendly. But it's also not entirely our fault. Yeah, it's it's a little bit out of our hands. Uh, but what's not out of our hands is having such wonderful lit- listeners who send us such thoughtful, uh, sweet letters. I'm sure that's going to, we're going to be riding on that high for like a week. It is lovely to hear it. Mm-hmm. Oh, I'm already coming down. I need more. Ooh. All right. <laughs> I need, I need that, uh, Listeners, your praise I is the only thing that sustains us. Uh, we, we crave your adulation. Uh, we're building a big adulation harvesting device. We're going to plug you all into it like it's the Matrix. I thought uh, that's what the interns were for. The interns are dry. The interns are dry. Yeah, adulation. their adulation has dried up. That's why there's all bones. We, we sucked all the adulation out of them. Now there's nothing left but bones and dust. Uh, and listeners, you can be bones and dust on tomorrow's page. Uh, wind. Wind.